Welcome to Bugs and Beards, the podcast home for everything fly fishing and fly tying. Kick back as we sit down and talk with some of your favorite fly tires and fishermen while we discuss with them the tips and techniques they've learned on the river and behind the vice so that you can use those lessons learned to make your time more effective. Hey everybody and welcome to the Bugs and Beard podcast. Today we got a great special guest on with us today. He actually, we spent the day here in the shop with him and had a bunch of people into the shop and uh, he answered a bunch of questions. It's uh, When he's into town, he always makes sure he stops in. So today our guest is Gordon Vanderpool. Um, some of you may or may not know him, but we'll get into a little bit about how he got here and um, just uh, the techniques and actually how he was a local guy. So that'll be cool to hear about too. Um but before we get into that, let's uh, catch up a little bit. Pat, anything new with you? No, not this week. Yeah, it's been a pretty rough week here weather-wise with the ups and downs. So how about you, Nick? Anything to catch up on? Just got some fishing in this week. Actually, right. two days this week. Yeah, we were, well, both Pat and I were both out with you there, but you seemed to smoke us that day, so. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, you guys went to the wrong place. <laughs> we definitely. Wrong place, wrong time. We definitely did. You just, just got to. Find the fish around here right now. Got to yep. branch out. Yep, yep. definitely. Got to move. But anyway, let's uh, introduce our guest to you here. Um, Gordon, uh, welcome to the show here. Yeah, thanks. And uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, uh, I'm actually from western Pennsylvania, about 50 miles south of Pittsburgh. Uh, been living down in western North Carolina since 2007 and uh, started turning stones, fly fishing, guide service down there and uh, been doing that kind of a selfless plug there um got in with the youth team uh, not too long after that a couple years probably I don't really know dates but I've uh, been helping and I'm a southwest southeast region coach for for the U.S. youth fly fishing team and uh I just love it man I love seeing where this is all going and all the changes and things and it's uh it's great that's so. actually a lot of your guiding isn't it a lot of the youth members you know uh yeah at first, it was just bringing in new clients, building my business, and uh, and it got really good. But then with the coaching, it's, I'd say, 80% or more of my guiding is mentoring kids and adults that want to get better in competitive fly fishing. So it's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the things we want to dig into a little bit today here about uh, your mentoring and, you know, working with the youth team and things like that, and maybe even get into some technique. But uh, any questions that Pat or Nick have for him? Yeah, uh, I could start out with some kind of big ones. Um, a lot of the kids that compete today, um, they come into the competition scene with not as much experience as everybody else, um, but with a thought process that is years past. Um, it pre- a lot of, not even just anglers, but competitive anglers. Um, so I, I kind of wanted you to elaborate on the thought process you instilled on them that's from everything from the vice to the when they net the fish score the fish sure whatever yeah yeah you know um i'm probably overly technical i guess you could i'm just analytical you know and i always try to kind of find different and better ways to do things not to reinvent the wheel so to speak but just always looking for changes so i kind of coach that way the same like with these kids like when they come to me, the first thing when somebody gets into this, they're like, oh, what flies? What flies? You know, I know you guys can relate to that. And they always kind of think there's like a silver bullet 
you know, that you got better flies than them because we catch more fish than them. And they think there's that silver bullet, but that doesn't exist. And that's something that, you know, I used to think that back in the day, I remember George Daniel telling me, he's like, there is no silver bullet. You know, it's uh, so what I push on the kids is to instill confidence in themselves when they show up for trips with me. I mean, I'll have my box. I show them my box, but I tell them before they come to come with a box ready and prepared to fish. And I instill confidence in them learning what to use in their box on flies they tie. And um, I really try to, you know, just kind of push self-preservation and for those guys to be very analytical on the water and high-level problem-solving to kind of set them ahead of the next guy. Because I don't think everybody does that. Right. You know. Uh, that answer it, Nick? Yeah, absolutely. Did I miss something or ramble? <laughs> I mean, that was, I mean, flies are such a big part of everybody's, like, not misconceptions, but just conceptions in general of fly fishing is just right. to, you have to have this fly at this particular time, and it's and it's really not that, right? Like, you, like do you instill, like, a confidence pattern kind of technique? Like, this kid might use Frenchies, this kid might use waltz worm as their confidence pattern it really doesn't matter as long as they can fish yeah. with it you know you know i tell them like you know a, a waltz or a sexy waltz kind of however you prepare it is uh it can be a hatch matcher but it can also be a searching pattern when the fish aren't really giving yeah. you much um so me my confidence is a heron copper sure. or a mustard waltz that's what i fish you know um pat you've seen me fishing oh, how, yes. how many times uh, nothing going on. Fish aren't doing anything. I throw that, and I feel I'm going to catch fish with it. That's right. Uh, so, you know, I tell them, they're like, well, what flies? What flies? And I'm like, look, I want you to have light, medium, and dark versions of a sexy waltz or a plain waltz. Um, do the same with Frenchies. Throw in some France flies and a midge, and you can catch fish anywhere in the world. Yeah. Learn how to be creative yourself, not copying, per se, what everybody does, but you know, trial and error on the water and come up with variations of those to catch fish everywhere Yeah, and just build an arsenal, you know, and that keeps it pretty simple. I mean, that's four patterns, you know. So Bruce, if you had happened to be listening to us, did you hear him say there is no silver bullet? <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Bruce, but it doesn't exist. <laughs> so if, uh, if you were, if you were an adult, what, would be some things that they can learn from these children, which is kind of, I, sh I say children because they're young adults. Yeah, young yeah. kids. Um, yeah. Uh, like, it's weird to say that. It is. Because usually it's the other way around. Sure. But yeah. what's the, what are some things that they can learn from these kids? Not just like by watching them fish, but like just everything. Like yeah. from, the, from the mentality that you, that you and the other coaches instill on them and sure. and all that. You know, uh, one of the things I see the most with the adults that it's, it's, you've heard the term, it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. Um, and that's what I see a lot. Like every adult male, mostly there's some level of pride there. And I've coached and mentored a lot of them. And, you know, I would say on average, most of them listen really well and are open to change, but at some level there's the, yeah, 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 I've, I got it. Right. You know, so I really try to push that these kids they are sponges. I always tell a parent, if you give me a year with a kid, can make him pretty dangerous on a river yeah. if he puts the time in. Because I know that kid is going to listen and put that time in. Um, so with adults, I just tell them to be more open-minded. Be 
okay with change and listen just listen you know it's uh that's the one thing i feel like some adults miss we don't listen enough you know but the kids listen and i'll tell you one thing that you told me about with with my son and we were talking one time when colton was fishing with us and you told me that you want the youth kids to set the hook like three times as many times as we do even way more than that or yeah. way more yeah. yeah i i have noticed my son now outfishes me on Is the he? water yeah and it's because he's setting the hook on everything and i'm thinking it through like ah rock rock mm-hmm. rock and not setting the hook as much and that's one thing that i have learned from from you and your you know your mentality that you drill into these kids yeah well good that's good to hear that he's coming along yeah. um it's there's no way for a nymph fisherman to know what is a bite or what isn't if you don't set the hook right like us as fishermen we're all pretty analytical i think that's why we like fly fishing so much but if we analyze it to death we will miss the boat yep you know so it's just i do tell them that i'm like i set the hook 50 percent more than the average guy or more and i want you to set it more than me until you know what's what on the river right and then it's all going to go back into that muscle memory thing and you won't even have to think about it yep you know so yeah for sure so do you teach these kids at the end of their drift to set the hook i do yeah i tell them at the end of the drift i want you to have some variation of a hook set because i tell them until you kind of know and understand when they're eating on the swing or whatever learn to set the hook at the end because you're going to be surprised how many times you set the hook and Mm -hmm. it's on there we've all had that happen a million times you know we've talked about it pat you know it's uh i tell them to make that a habit you know to either a set the hook at the end of the drift or drop the tip jig twitch we do a lot we're real dynamic right and uh that's one thing we really push is just being dynamic you know so adaptation absolutely yep Yeah. yeah For sure. I mean, it's just, it worked today. Doesn't mean it's going to work tomorrow. Not at all. You know, you know and we just talked about that tonight with yes. the group. It's, yep. uh, we have to be, especially in the comp world, I don't compete, but I teach competitors. So you have to adapt better than the next guy or he's going to get you. You know, in a game where numbers count and time is numbers and numbers, you know, you got you have got to problem solve at the highest level and it can't happen over a six-hour period. It's one, one and a half, two hour, three hour period. You got to figure it out. Right. So. Yeah, because in the next two and a half hour period, you're on a different set of water with a different situation. And yeah, you're on another set of water. You caught say eight fish on that first beat, then you got an angler that comes in behind you and knocks out thirty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're like, hmm, that hurt. You know? Right. What did I do wrong? That's a reality check there. Yeah. yeah. We've so. all had it happen. Absolutely, everybody has, and uh, it's just. He had something figured out that you didn't because it's not like once you get to that level, you couldn't have caught him. Right. You know? He's just doing something different. He just problem solved and had it dialed in better at the time. But, uh, yeah, it's important. Well, let's get into a little bit of how you got into the competition, not the competition world, but the competition style fishing. And yeah. What led you to where you're at today? Oh, good. Um, yeah, I'm – Got to North Carolina, Western North Carolina, and back in 2007. Um, and immediately, you know, you're digging around the area. I'm getting ready to start a guide service, so trying to meet like-minded people. And uh, the first name I heard was a fella. His name was Eugene Schuler. You guys probably haven't heard that name, I don't think. No. Um, but back then, Eugene was the captain of the North Carolina fly fishing team. 
and he is the first person. They're like, yeah, check that guy out. He tournament fishes. And at that time, I didn't even know what that was. And so I went out of my way to meet him, and we talked, and he recruited me for the team, got on the team, and uh, a fellow named Josh Stevens, which was a multi-time world-level angler for the U.S. men's team. Uh, A lot of guys probably don't know Josh or have heard of him at this time, but he has been around for so long, and he taught me how to fish the tight line system, and it didn't take me long to figure out that he was one of the fishiest people I ever met. (laughs) And I was like, if I want to elevate and get to where I want to get to, that's a guy to pay attention to. Right. And I still look up to him. You know, he's definitely who got me started. Eugene was the guy that recruited me, so I can thank him for that. Uh, But, you know, that was a long time ago. So it was been nice to kind of be early in the game with this whole tight line thing, you know, and this comp fishing. But that's how I got into that. I comp fished for a few years, uh, had good success. You know, did well, won tournaments, lost tournaments. Um, Got to where my business was so busy that I was like, if I'm going to compete at a high level, I need more time to focus on myself. You know, so I knew that it was time to lay off of it and stick with the guide. And, you know, so that's when I started mentoring and coaching. Yeah. So with the time thing, on that same note – do you kind of teach these kids those like kind of like how you prepared yourself? Like things are a little bit different now. You could tie a fly a little bit like a waltz worm is was the same amount of time as it was ten years ago. Right. But but there's different techniques now. But do you tell them like you should allot this mu- this much time to this to be successful um, compared to being lazy? Like I, I mean, like technique wise, you mean? Or that anything, just anything involving, yeah, even just like uh, the amount of t- like time that you tie every night. Sure, because like and at some point in your in your competition career, like you you put a lot of hours in. I oh. can guarantee that. Yeah, and so you you've been in the trenches before, and a lot of these kids might not know that when you when they get into it, it's right? That it's like it's it's not a full time job. It's a grind, but it can be. It can be. You know. Yeah. I, you know, I try to challenge them because the one thing the kids have that we don't is free time. Yeah. You know? Right, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, they're like, well, why? the first thing they say, well, why don't you compete? You know, and I, and I tell them it's just a time thing. But I said, I know what it takes to compete at a, at a good level, a high level. Um, I said, so I do challenge them to tie a little each day. It could be six flies. Right. I, I encourage them to really challenge. There's resources everywhere on the internet to find ways to tie this and that i said learn how to tie your flies you know practice that i i really focus on time on the water not fishing because i i can tell if i work with a kid say this weekend if i spend two days with him i send him out and i tell him to come back to me in two months and if i guide him again i can tell within an hour if he has practiced yeah and i'm like have you been out and he's like i've been fishing every day and I said, you've been fishing, but you have not practiced. Right. There's a difference. And he's like, how could you say that or know that? And I'm like, because I've had to spend two, three hours reteaching everything we worked on the first time. I said, so I know you didn't practice because that's what makes you better and gives you the muscle memory to know, you know that you have evolved. And so I push practice as opposed to 
fishing. Isn't that weird? I it always is. say that to people. Like when they're like, oh, what are you doing this weekend? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pre-fish this. I'm going to practice this. And they're like, that's kind of strange. Aren't you just fishing? And I'm like, well. A little different. It's, it's weird. And it kind of feels weird to say. It feels kind of greasy. but Yeah, like, it is different. But it's not. No, it's, it's at the end of the day, you're out there putting the time in the water, you know, to get better. Right. And just sometimes casual fishing with your best friend is it's not doing it because you're not thinking about those things you've been taught that are what's needed to get better. Right. You know? You're not pushing yourself. Yeah. You're not taking yourself out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's actually a great point, Pat, because I talk to him all the time. I'm like, kids, if you stay in this level you're at, you're never going to be what I'm looking for on the team. Yeah. And I said, and that don't mean to say that in a mean way. I said, but we're trying to win gold medals. Right. And I said, and we have done that. And that's what the standard is. That's what we want. Yep. And I said, I know it sounds kind of stern, but at the end of the day, I'm not looking for a casual, okay angler. I'm looking for the next elite 14 to 18-year-old man or woman to go win a gold medal. That's right. To be the ultimate team player. So that takes countless hours of work, and a high percentage of those kids put it in. Yeah. Yeah, which is awesome. It's amazing. And the ones that do get rewarded. And the ones that don't, they don't. You know, it's at this point in time, I always tell them, I'm like, they're like, do I have a shot to make the team? I said, yeah, you are fishy enough that with work, you could get to that level. But I said, it's not six years ago. There's 12 other kids in your same shoe, in your shoes. Waiting to jump in there. That are already in your level. I said, so I like you. So put that time in and make it a priority. Right. You know. But it's just like any other high-level sport. My son wrestles. My oldest son wrestles. And it, it's just the same with him. If he does his push-ups, sit-ups, and pull-ups, he'll keep up with everybody else. Yep. If he doesn't do that, it, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, and it's no different in the fishing part. Like, you can – it's not It's not hard for me to pick out the kids that are putting the time in, in the yeah. proper the proper time. You know, and sometimes that's hard for them to grasp the difference between that practice versus fishing. You know, and it's hard. I mean, some of these kids are 13, 11, 12. I work with young kids. Yeah, right. You know, and it's like you don't want to push them too hard because you don't want to turn them off. Right. And I always tell them and their parents, I'm like, look, man, you go at whatever pace you want to go with, I'm here. You know, and uh, if it's for you, you'll know. That competitive bug will kick in here in a couple of years. Right. You know, and – but this day and age, there's so many young, hungry kids. You know, we have young ladies now, and it's just it's going the direction I want to see it go. How many kids were at nationals? I forget. Thirty. Thirty-two or something. Thirty. Like that? Thirty-two. Yeah. We had compete. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty. It was a good turnout. It was. It was yeah. a good tournament. A lot of good I mean, sticks. It was good sticks. We had young Allie Raymond from my from down where I live. You know, right. she got in, fished that tournament, did well. Good. You know, so it's good to see you know where it's going. One thing with the youth in fly fishing and the, in the competitive fly fishing, like the local tournaments, there is no youth division. The youth compete against the adults, side by side against the adults, and yep. that's kind of a that's a challenge for some of the youth to overcome too. I think. Oh, for sure. But they uh, usually beat us. Yeah, they do. Only a couple of the good ones. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I remember five, six, seven years ago, like you know, this was back when we were really developing these young kids, and they were getting scary scary good and all the adults were fishing these tournaments and then these kids started to really up their game to that elite level and there wasn't a tournament that was won in a couple year period that a youth kid probably didn't win it 
you know, and it got so bad that some of the adults were like, who's in it? And you tell them and they're like, all right, I'm out. They wouldn't (laughs) even show up. I'm like, I'm like, you know, and the the kids were just dangerous, you know, and, uh, there's still some good ones out there. You know, we're, we're young as a team at the moment, you know? Uh, so we're, I wouldn't say rebuilding, but we're trying to elevate that level of the whole team back to that elite status. And you can kind of, you can kind of grasp how they could be so competitive and be focused. They'll sit and play a video game for hours and hours and hours on end. (laughs) Days and days. Yeah, exactly. Forever. If we let them. Right. Exactly. They have the most ridiculous, what we call hyper focus. Yes. And I said, that's fine. Just do it on this. Right. It'll be just fine. Yep. You know? And, uh, and I'm strict, you know, it's like, I'm all about rewarding and positive reinforcement, but yet when the mistakes are made and they keep being made, I don't sugarcoat it because at this level, like we have to, we have to treat it like a world elite level team. Cause that's what it is. Right. And you just got to push them because it takes so much to get to that level these days. So where do you do most of your training at and stuff like that? Um, North Carolina, you know, uh, do some trips in North Carolina, a little bit in Georgia. Um, some of the kids have kind of traveled to California, Oregon and worked with them and, you know, do clinics all over. Right. And you do, you do, you end up doing the clinic up here in Pennsylvania every year. That's what gets you up here fishing with us. Yeah. That's, that's actually how I met you guys. That's exactly right. Yeah. (laughs) I just kept seeing whole singers fly shop stuff when, and you guys were brand new. Yep. And finally one day I come up and I'm like, honey, I'm calling them. They're just right down the road. <laughs> you know, so I called and talked to your dad and here we are. And you came and we put you onto a little secret. I, and... <laughs> you showed me some spots, <laughs> you know, because I remember asking your dad, I'm like, is that stream behind there still okay? You remember that conversation, Ron? And we were talking <laughs> about different places and because it had been so long since I'd fished up in this area right, right. here when you know, it was like 2006 yep. you know so but yeah it's been great to meet you guys yeah and then we took you up in the mountain one day and uh that's when you taught me and pat really how to fish and i remember that day we were we were here in the shop and it was just pounding down rain but it was just it just started yeah and uh you said well do you think we can get on anywhere i said yeah this creek will be good so we headed up there and one of the things that you taught me, you taught me to completely look at things differently that day. And uh, I just went into the creek like I go into the creek every other time. I know where the trout lay. I jumped into the creek. And I turn around, and I'm, I catch one right away. I remember. You caught one. I caught two. You caught two. I caught three. You caught 20. And, <laughs> but when I turned around and looked when you caught your first one, you're still standing on the bank swinging flies behind me, yeah. <laughs> catching yeah. fish behind me. And I was like, man, what am I doing here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember that. And that water was chocolate milk. Muddy. It was chocolate oh, milk yes. muddy. And we caught a ton of fish that day, but yeah. you, you taught me to completely rethink my whole way of looking at the creek that day. And yeah. Yeah, that was a neat day. It was. That was a neat day. And I remember that water. See, when I see muddy water like that, like, and I could be wrong, but it works for me. Like, I try to find places. I like to find shallow water I think they'll be in because if you have that shallow water, you have the rocks to kind of, it almost makes the water look clearer than it is. Yeah. Does that make yep. sense? Oh, yeah. So it's like the contrast of that. And I feel they see stuff in that water, and that's why they were over there. Remember yeah. how many? Uh-huh. 
in that yeah, yeah. six inches of water yeah just picking them out of there well it, it was a place that you never see fish in when yeah. clear water there a fish of dead meat swims into that area right it's easy pickings for any bird that's of prey where or anything yeah, yeah and that's where you stand yeah. but it, but because of where the current where the edge was where you normally fish, the edge was now two feet behind where I normally fish. <laughs> Changes, yeah. And that's, you know, all comes down to that problem solving. Right. You know, and kind of thinking outside the box. Like, when you come into a river that's five inches higher than it was and it's chocolate milk muddy, that's no longer the river you know. No. You know, it's different. So you have to be like, okay, this is a new river. These are the conditions. This is where I need to go first. You need to adapt. Yeah, you have mm-hmm. to adapt and change and get outside of your comfort zone. Like yep. you yep. said, yep. I knew where to go, went right to my spot. I caught some fish, Yep. but it wasn't the honey hole that day. Yep. You know? Yeah, I remember. It was a good but day. since that day, I've learned when the crick's like that, I started the bank. Yeah, work Yeah, you, you work, work your way, way out. Way yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, I surely not always had, had done it that way. I can't tell you how many times I've stepped on fish and kicked 30 out of a spot, and you're like, well, that didn't make sense, yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah. now that you know a little bit, you're like, man, that makes all the sense in the world. Yep. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. I won a session one time on Spring Creek, not even waiting. Nice. I beat Bradley. He was, he's still upset about that <laughs> till this day on lower too. I didn't even wait. I, nice. I won my session. Yeah. Cause it was muddy. Yeah. I fished right, right beside yep. the, the edge. Yeah. That's was unreal. Tucked at a bank in a heartbeat. Especially on that stream. Yeah, and that's yeah. that knowledge, you know. You know that water. You know, that's great to I just, have. I didn't want to wade. Yeah. But it worked out. Plus, there's a million fish in there. You take a step, you're spooking fish. That's right. You know. I knew they were going to be there. Yeah. Because there's a million fish in there, like you said. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's good stuff. Yeah, that totally changed me. I, I know growing up and stuff, when I didn't have the knowledge I have now, when it, when it rained and muddy water, I was waiting until it was all done and going for now I pray for the muddy water and <laughs> yeah. as soon as that rain, if you see the rain coming, you're out there fishing before the rain, waiting for it to start to bring the water up. Yeah, and, waiting for change. It's free real yeah. estate. Yep. It's free real estate. That's the yeah. thing. You got the crick all to yourself. Yep. Yeah. Oh, no, for the fish. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, too. water. Yeah. Free real yeah. estate. Yeah. Yep. yeah, it's free real estate. It's new water. Yep. They're now going to get into areas where there was no current before and things have settled. Now yep. that water's pushing. It's kicking up all kinds of bugs. Right, Exactly. Yeah, so it's it's money. It's free yep. real estate. Free real estate. <laughs> <laughs> True story. <laughs> it's free real estate. Yeah. <laughs> so where, how long have you been at this game with teaching the youth? Mm, man, I honestly don't. I'm terrible with days. Um, my good buddy Paul Bork, uh, he got on as a head coach for the youth team. And as soon as he got on, he immediately wanted me to help him. And for a little while there, I was so busy. I'm like, I will definitely help, but it's going to have to be when we're local. And then finally, just one day, I was like, I'm ready to commit to it because I love working with the kids. And it wasn't too long after I just dove in, and I've been at every clinic since. And that was, oh, I don't, it's five plus years ago. I don't know. So, how much change have you seen since you started and where you're at today? With the kids? With just, the kids, with the comp world? A lot. Um, just back when, you know, trying not to drag this story out too long, but that's what I'm good at. Um, back in the day, like, just for example, when I learned how to tightline fish from Josh, it was with a nine-foot 
five-weight sage that I used. We didn't have any bona fide nymphin rods here. So it was that, and we also didn't have level fly line. We had to fight through all that. We didn't have amnesia. We didn't have any colored mono, no umquacider. None of that existed. We had to find line. We're like, oh, this is a yellow line, yellow strand, gold strand. We'll take that. You know, so that's that. Big, huge flies, all scud-type flies. Mm. Uh, so it's changed from that to now we have all these nymphing rods. Every company's finally on board. You know, some are better than others. And all the fly shops, if they are paying attention, are carrying comp-related stuff. Right. It is what's in right now. It's going to be. It's not going anywhere. Uh, and we're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. But at the end of the day, what do you guys want to do when you're on the river? I want to catch trout. Catch fish. Right. And nothing's off limits as long as it's with a fly in my book. You know. But I respect the dry fly, you know, all that. I respect that. Uh, but it's just changed so much in that regard, Pat. But even the skill level, like we are so much more diverse and dynamic right now at the moment than we've ever been. Um, it's just, it's just, we've all learned so much technique since the beginning, you know, the Europeans were so far ahead of us, you know, and to finally just things have slowly leaked over here through our world traveled angler anglers and the things we're learning, the things we're coaching. And it's just, it's growing at a rate. It's just unbelievable. You know, That's awesome. from never seeing a tight liner on the river, you didn't see any cider unless you were the one throwing it back in the day. There was like 20 of us down there. That's probably more than there was, like 15. And now when I go to any of my local waters, there's tight liners everywhere. Every oh, day. yeah. Yeah. And it's just and just, just kind of been a part since it was early stages. Pretty cool to see where it's gone and where it's going. Well, let's talk about the youth team a little bit. Like um, how many clinics are there a year? Uh, this year we'll have uh, – the one in State College area. Uh, we'll have one in Idaho. We will have one. Lake, Lake Placid still? And they didn't do Lake Placid this year. We're always up to kind of do it. I've been thinking about putting one together in Virginia. Uh, so that's kind of in the market now. Uh, we'll see if that happens this year. Right. Um, you know, there's a handful. There was one in Montana before. I feel like I'm forgetting one. Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Idaho. That's the three staples at the moment. I think uh, there's talks about a Texas one. Elaine was going to do that one. Glad you brought that up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there is thoughts of a Texas, a little Texas clinic style thing. So, you know, they got little trout action down there. For so. people interested, where do they go to find that at, that information? For the youth team? Yes. Uh, yeah, they could just go to the U.S. Youth Fly Fishing Team website. Just search, put that search in on Google. Uh, find it. And any questions you have, just send out an email. Somebody will get back to you. Uh, if they have any questions in the and they have a hard time getting a hold of anybody there, they can call me through my business, ask any questions, I'll take care of them. So no problem getting involved if you want to. I was going to ask about recruitment too. That's yeah, not, okay. I mean, that just all if right. there are any kids that wanted to get into it, I mean, any of us, you know, we all are connected to Gordon in some way. If you, yeah, right. Anybody can reach yeah. out to us and we can get yeah. you in touch with Gordon. For yeah. sure. Point you in the right direction. Yeah. Or we could send you to Josh Miller. He might be a better candidate. Send him up to Millworm. <laughs> hey, Millworm, what's up, buddy? That was for that uh, mouth noise earlier you made on oh, the mic. The one that yeah. you told me not to do? Yeah. I'm not going to do it now, you know. <laughs> just want to keep it clean. <laughs> we try to keep it clean around here. Oh, but, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, Ron's in the room. <laughs> Ron's good people. 
Yeah. Good people, as my yeah. dad would say, good people. But yeah, yeah uh, you know, I, I just encourage these kids, don't be intimidated by it. I mean, and I wish I could say that all the kids and adults treat it this way to where they don't get cocky when they start catching fish, because they don't. But I stress and preach that you stay humble through all this. So with these kids, if I ever see any of our youth kids looking down or belittling somebody new, I nip that in the butt so fast. Like, it's not toler. I don't tolerate it. You know, it's like I want anybody coming in brand new to feel as comfortable as if they were in their backyard fishing. Right. And I want them to know how awesome this can be and to have a shot, just like everybody else did at the beginning. And, uh, and I encourage to welcome with open arms, teach them, pay it forward. Right. And we... It- and we've, we've talked about that on our first podcast a little bit, too, about how, you know, the the community and how they share with each other and how it's a unique community, the, the, the competition community. For example, like, my boy competes a little bit, more or less does it for fun, but um, one of the guys here at the shop is one of the youth members now, and, mm-hmm. he, you know, he's one of my, my boy's fishing buddies, yep. would be a competitor in a tournament, but... They're side by side fishing on the water, you know, once or twice a week. Yeah, yeah, I know that little rascal you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we finally got him on the team this year. Yep. I was hoping, man. He was like, man, he's 14, he's 15. I'm like, come on, is he gonna push for this? Because he's freaking. Yeah, he's something else. He's a great little stick, so we're happy to have him on. Yeah, I call him Yoda. Yoda, uh, <laughs> I need to call him. Oh, he should not listen to this podcast. <laughs> Do not listen, Yoda. Maybe stop with like. 10 minutes left. You don't want to hear the last part. Go right to his head. Yoda. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, this it's an amazing ride, man. Yeah. And kids are out there. And if you ha- have any thought of competing, man, come get it. We'll take you right in, teach you what we got. I, I wish – my only thing about competition was I wish a lot of the other fly shops and stuff like that would be on board with it. Um, like – a lot there's a lot of old school fly shops and stuff out there that you know don't carry the competition stuff like that so you may be in an area where that's the case your fly your local fly shop is sure is old school and right look down on this style of fishing and stuff so you may not have the opportunity but get on facebook and stuff there's people out there all over the place there's lots of tons of groups and yeah it's there's definitely somebody you can hook up with in your area that would be more than happy to mentor you. Sure, yeah, and you're right. There is a lot of shops like that, and, and I'm okay with that because right. oh yeah, it's the end of the day. We all share the same passion. We're fly fishing. Exactly. And if they want to throw a dry fly and that's the way they do it, I am cool with that. You know, it's, oh, yeah. uh, you know, so, but yeah, like you said, if it's not in your backyard, yeah. reach out. You know, you guys are a great resource, and there's plenty of others, and uh, it's growing. You know, it's it, it is definitely growing, and you can see that on the stream. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing to see yeah. where it's where it is now. Well, and today was a perfect example. We had Gordon in here to the shop, like I was saying, and uh, we had seventeen or eighteen people here, and it the average age was older than I am. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. You, I, I you think know. you're. I think you're being light on that. They they were yeah. oh I'd say yeah. the majority yeah yeah they 90, were yeah eighty yeah. percent of the people were right uh, yeah I love seeing that yeah, yeah. like that neat. that gets my wheels turning I'm like man 
when I first sat down, when I come in, it was quiet. Like you could hear a pin drop. Yeah. I think they thought I had something prepared. I'm like, look, I have nothing prepared. Yeah. I want questions. Yeah. You they know? were all lined up for you like a church or yeah. something. Yeah. And as soon as I said, give me some questions, boom. Boom. Yep. Uh, the fellow that dropped shots come yep. right in and that started the whole ball rolling. But uh, I love seeing when you see that, that older generation, if you will, whatever, I'm 44, yeah. I'm coming that way. Um, that just shows me that they're not all against change. Yeah, they're not setting their ways, yes. And, and, you know, this one fella, the one that helped get you guys going, I forget yeah, his name. Yeah, Jack. Awesome guy to hear some of his stories. Yep. Like, if that's not old school, Yeah. and he's right here trying to learn this, that's amazing. I love seeing that. I did tell him we would we would allow him to put a wet fly on as the dropper to get him to go. <laughs> hey, <laughs> and I do that all the time. As you, I'm sure you do. Oh, I do yeah. too. Yeah. Heck yeah, that's awesome though. <laughs> Throw a wet fly on. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and if you want, you can fish three flies. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, that's awesome. But yeah, it's uh, this crowd you guys got coming here and the fire in their eyes. And I'm gonna tell you what. Yeah. For me, that just it makes me happy, man. I love seeing yeah. it. Yeah, it's good. You guys got any more questions for Gordon? Covered it. Man, you guys made that so easy. We did. This was easy. Podcasting's fun. Crushed it. Pat, I expected more from Pat. Come on, man. Uh, I could think of a few more, I'm sure. You know what? Just that we've talked so much, you probably got them all out already. Yeah, that's. (laughs) I mean, I remember fishing with you last year and the year before. Yeah. You come in and you're like, I'm going to teach you this. And about the time I think, okay, I think I finally got this. And you're coming back up and you're like, you've been practicing. And I'm like, yeah, this is good. I'm ready. And we go out and you're like, today, I'm going to show you this. Yeah. And it's like, oh, man, are you serious? I was like, I just, I'm ready to show you what I knew from last year. And you're like, oh, I can see you can do that, but let's play this game. And I remember that. We were out last year fishing and – Come up to the hole. I let you swing up into the sweet spot, and I kind of went above you. Because he knows I can't catch the stupid thing. <laughs> yeah. He's nice to me. Well, I try. You don't fish here on a regular basis, and I did this with Tim Camesa last year when I went with him. Right. It's somewhere I fish on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. I know where the fish are, and for me to kick back and watch you, I learn as much watching as I do talking. Sure. I'm no, no doubt. I'm visual. So, you know, we swing up in this hole, which is a familiar hole with Bruce, if Bruce is listening. And we get up there, and I'm watching Gordon just out of the corner of my eye. And it's fish, fish, fish. And finally, I see him miss. Or he didn't get one on that drift. And he looks at me, and he's like, for 45 minutes, I stood here and caught fish every cast. Sometimes they were doubles. I think you caught. Man, that was a crazy day. <laughs> four or five doubles, and I was like. It honestly blew my mind, yeah. Yeah, that was that was crazy. Yeah, that was something else. And that was, uh, you know, we'd worked on the nymph and stuff the year before that. Yep. And kind of getting you down in, and then that Floating was a cider day. Cider, cider floating. Day. Yep. Cider floating. And, uh, yeah, I remember that. You're like, why are you doing that? <laughs> remember? And then later on, we went down to another spot in a different creek area and i was like this is pretty technical i'm gonna take him up through here because i know there's fish here and nobody fishes it. that tight spot and i'm like okay you know we're gonna go from here and go up the creek a couple hundred yards we get to this spot and then we'll be done we went like 75 yards in four hours and i know 
probably 200 fish. Oh, uh, it was it was pretty unfair. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy. That was when you rolled in when we I rolled in up. late and you yeah. probably caught 20 or 30 wide. Remember I was up in that like heavy <laughs> white water up under those trees yeah. like it was ridiculously tight up there. Just yes. boom, boom, yeah. boom. Yep. But that's yeah, it's a phenomenal stretch of water. Yeah. That big rainbow, that big remember that big holdover rainbow <laughs> come out of nowhere, didn't expect that one. But yeah, that was fun. That was all floating the cider, most of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's this year's goal for me, I think, working on my cider floating. I gotta get a lot a lot better at that. And you what gotta, you wanna do you Sean, gotta get is your like, hook set down too on that. Yeah. You're gonna break stuff. You your gotta arm. Yeah. You are you breaking off? Are you setting too long? I haven't really fished it too that long. much, yeah. Gotcha. So just pay attention to how much like we talked earlier. Right, yeah. You gotta learn to put the brakes on that hook set at some point. Right. You know? Well, I'm like we were talking earlier. I'm an old wet fly fisherman, so I'm more of the whole rot, not the not the wrist. So I got that part down. I just haven't adjusted yet to to floating it, the the floating it part, and reading the bite with the float. And so, it's different. I yeah. remember when trying to. I don't know, remember what year that was, but you know, it was some intel that came back from across the pond, and uh, they're like, "This is what we got to work on," and I'm like what is that? And I just remember, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. Cause that's what's, that's the information I got. So, right. so it was cider floating and I worked on that for months. And I remember just, I fish upstream at that point, you know, right. And doing it upstream across the stream. And I just remember how awkward it was at first. Mm-hmm. It's I very like, awkward. I was like, man, I am not going to commit because I felt so far outside my comfort zone. Well, well, you spend all this time working on learning to control your drift and keeping yeah. that line tight and everything, and now you're just completely throwing that out and putting doing a, something different. Putting a power slack in it. Yep. I think I think when I started floating my cider, it changed everything for me. Oh, I but agree. Like, not just because I do it all the time. I don't do it often at all anymore. I, I just learned that you don't have to be, like, that tight all the time. Right. You don't. Like, that tight. Like, it's crazy. Like we talked earlier about you know using when you know working your way down to lighter bugs and everything like i don't know if i'm in contact with my i know i am i know i am because i can feel it but like when i first started doing that when i first started floating my cider i used super light bugs and i wasn't in contact but that was cool i could see it right and then i transitioned over to like tight lining that very light tippet doing all that stuff and it just it like changed my whole world yeah, right. it wasn't just floating like just floating your cider. It was the whole game after that, which was really cool. So, hopefully that translates for you too. Yeah, well, I I have to spend a little bit more time with Nick, but Nick knows me, and I'm a heavyweight guy. Yeah, yeah. That, and I got to get away from. I that remember too. that. Yep, I remember that. It's uh, that's tough for me to get away from. Yeah, like you're in that stage where you know you like to feel it, right? And that's for me when I first went away from the bigger bugs. It didn't take me long though because I was like you got to get the small bugs out there. You know, it's just kind of the way I looked at yeah. it. It, when I couldn't feel them anymore, I felt like a lost kid. Yeah. I was like, man, this is weird, but I know I'll figure it out. It just made me pay attention to the cider more. Do you well, feel them now? Do I feel them? Yeah. Oh, do you feel your bugs. Oh yeah. I feel yeah. them. Oh, yeah. That's that's what I thought. Cause at first you don't, Oh, uh, you don't, but yeah. I feel them. I, when I tell people, I, I feel a big part of like finding a good nymphing rod is a rod that if you're vertical, with 16s and 18s under you, if you jig them, you can feel them. Yeah. Uh, Isn't that neat? And or I just a single. I mean, yeah, or yeah. a single. I can feel those things. They're like, you can feel that. I'm like, I feel it come tight. I feel it when it's weightless. You could feel that. 
yeah. you know, and that it did take a while to feel them. Well, I actually do it, but my the last two seasons I've had this pattern that I fish what I normally fish until you come into town. <laughs> then after you come into town, I fish a little tiny stuff all summer long. <laughs> and then the water starts to get back up in the fall and I get back into the heavy stuff. Yeah. And, and you know what? That heavy stuff like right now, yeah. it's okay. Yep. It'll work. Yeah, that's where we were at the other day. Yeah. It'll yeah. happen. Yeah. Like we just had a team practice a few weeks back. Kids are in there doing their 16 and 18 stuff. And we were after like five days after like a ton of rain. The stream was rocking. Yeah. And these are wild rainbows. And and I'm like, guys, you're catching some. I said, but throw me a 10 with a 4-0 right there and get through all those crazy currents and watch what happens. And jerk the rod out of your hand. Yeah. They're in opportunistic mode, you know. And rainbows are a little different behavior than brown, a lot different. And they were just start macking you know mashing fish right. and uh it's uh yeah big bugs aren't a sin no no it's just not like it's not the everyday equation just got to mix it up yep you know well gordon we're about out of time here is there any let's get into uh, how we can get a hold of you how to reach out to you like your website instagram sure yeah i'm on instagram i think you can find me just by looking up gordon vanderpool uh it will probably show my business name turning stones fly fishing uh, if you want to look that up, it's flyfishingwnc.com, uh, and that'll bring you right up to my website. And everything's there, email, phone number, all of that. Right. You could always look up Sasquatch. Yeah, Sasquatch. Yeah, you know, the, yeah, they're throwing out the Sasquatch the, nickname. The Nantahala Sasquatch, yeah. Yeah, those locals down there, man, when I'm on the river, they're beeping at me. and <laughs> Yeah, yeah that's what they've nicknamed me that. And I'm not even that big of a guy, but... <laughs> You know, but B- bigger than most. I look like a squatchy human to them. Yeah. Yeah. When so. you're crossing the water. I always like try to do the pose. Yeah. You know, yeah. when they come by, I like get into the, <laughs> get into the form, which I'm literally doing now as I'm talking. So picture kinda that. how you fish too. Yeah. I'm a little, you know, squatchy. Yeah. yeah. So when you're, when you're retrieving your line back in. Oh yeah. You know, get that, yeah. It's got that little stretch, yep. you know. Heck yeah. I'll take it. Picture it. Did yeah, you ever but, see the picture on uh, Josh Miller's page? When he was stuck in the mud. That was uh, Joe. I did. That was Joe. Or was yeah, it Joe? That was yeah, Joe. Yeah, that was Joe. That was good yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah I love he it. does that. He's clumsy like that. Yeah. Joe, what's up? <laughs> stay <laughs> out of the listening. mud. He's probably, he'll probably listen while he's at Starbucks. Yeah, stay out of the mud, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> but, yep, that's how you can find me. All right. And you can reach out to us, too, if you want to get a hold. If you're having trouble getting a hold of them, reach out to us at Bugs and Beards. And uh, we'll get you in touch with them for sure. But um, probably have you back on in the spring, I'm betting. It's too much fun having you on here. I'll oh, enjoy it. Yeah, we'll yeah. do it in May. Yeah, no doubt. So we'll get back in touch with you there and spend some time on the stream with you when you come up. And Absolutely. And I'm an open book, it. guys. Not to cut you off, Sean. No, you're not. I just want to make sure everybody knows I'm an open book. There is no question I won't try to answer. If yep. I don't know, I'll try to put you to somebody who does. There's no secrets with me, so. Yep. You want yeah, to know something? Face, you're on Facebook too, Messenger. And yeah, stuff like Facebook, that. Gordon Vanderpool. Yep. I'll take friend requests if you don't look too sketchy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Or um, come from Kenya or Nairobi. Yeah, or if you're like, yeah, if you're a little off, I'll pass. Right, right. But uh, yeah. If Why'd you accept my friend request then? You're, you're normal, bud. You look like people I like. That's because you, you know? hid your man bun. You know? <laughs> wow. You're, you're people. You're like good people. Why am I here? We got to find a way to put the man bun into epi- every episode. I did see that once. Yeah. That was something. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have enough hair to do it. Just once? 
Just once. I okay. saw it when we were in. Uh, I should have broke it out today for you. You should have done it. Where mm-hmm. were we at? Out west. Please don't. Yeah, we. Yeah, that's where we were. We Men's were nationals or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's when yeah. I saw it. I was like, that's nice, Nick. <laughs> you know, that's just the, that's how I roll every day. Dude, hey. To work. Hey. Sometimes, yeah, I, sometimes I let it down. Rolls it at work too. Just I'll fight for him. I put my nine hairs up in a little man bun every once in a while, but it's <laughs> not quite as impressive as yours was. You know, but uh, I'm 44. Uh, it's over for me. All right. Well, we had a blast here today, and uh, we thank Gordon for stopping in at the shop here today and on the podcast, and uh, can't wait to get him back on. Uh, anything you guys got to add before we close her up? Thanks. Thanks, Gordon. Yeah, good seeing all you guys, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. Well, thanks again for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bugs and Beard Podcast. This podcast was brought to you in part by WholesalersFlyShop.com and Trotta Goods. We truly appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to our show. If you enjoyed the show, please take a second to smash the like button and subscribe to us. You can find our show on popular podcast apps like Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and iTunes. Until next time, keep your tip up in tight lines.